everybody. It's the Bull and the Badger podcast with April, and I'm the Bull. Hello, I'm Vanessa, and I'm the Badger. And if you're just joining us, we are a podcast that likes to talk about Asian American mental health and how it doesn't have to be scary or stigmatized, but it can be helpful and fun. And this podcast is a offshoot of Vanessa's documentary called At the Laundromat. Oh, which... it's, it's just, called, <laughs> just called The Laundromat. I get so confused. I'm sorry. The documentary is called The Laundromat. Forgiven. <laughs> the website is called At The Laundromat. And um, if you want to give a quick little one-sentence description of the film... Sure. Um, I call it my really intense documentary about how Asian Americans don't talk to each other. But really, it's just um, about Asian American mental health and uh, how we can hopefully start to change the community dy- dynamics around silence and shame. So, And where can people see a trailer or the film itself? So if you visit at thelaundromat.com, which is the name of the website and not the name of the movie. Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. It's very confusing to most people. People are like, how do I see at the laundromat? I'm like, er, you're looking at it right now by being on the website? Er. Um, but uh, yeah, so you can visit us on our website at thelaundromat.com and check out a trailer. Or you can go to my Facebook page and kind of get blog post updates on where the movie is and things like that. So yeah, it's uh, all very exciting. Um, and the we're here today as the bull and the badger um kind of as an offshoot of our conversations already started in the movie i mean uh conversations about mental health and asian american issues could go on for days and that's what we're doing here going on for days (laughs) we're not known for being succinct we like to talk Vanessa's is playing underwater it's true um well, it was coffee. It was coffee water, but it was delicious all the same. Um, in today's podcast, um, we'd like to tackle the idea of heroes. Um, and I'm just going to start off this conversation with talking about, like, who or what? What are your favorite songs about heroes? And the one that comes... <laughs> How many are there? <laughs> There's at least ten. At least two that I can think of off what? the bat. No, like, um, when, I, when I start singing about heroes, because sometimes... That's what I do to, like, get myself pumped. Um, there's Mariah Carey heroes or Enrique Iglesias' heroes. Oh, that's true. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. There's Bonnie Tyler. What? Holding out for a hero, Bonnie Tyler. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, I'm, should I pretend? Should I pretend <laughs> I know what that is? I just... Uh, that just all sounded like the same note. <laughs> <laughs> na, 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 um, no, it, it totally worked. It was the same note, but with different intonations. I thought you were going to sing. Oh, I, well. So, okay, those are three. Can you name any more? Um, well, I'd like to think of As Wind Beneath Your Wings as a hero song. You know? Does it have the word hero in it? I don't think it does. I think Disqualified. it is. No, I, I totally, I, I'm pretty convinced there is, and I would look it up on the internet, but um, my Googling skills are not so quick. I, hopefully somebody's doing it like right now and it's gonna comment and be like, "Burn April, this was right," <laughs> and then we can all like, yeah, do that thing and shove it in people's faces. No, um, and the other one I think of is that Chicago song, um, "I'll be your hero that you're waiting for." I'll None. be your hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Na 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 na. Na 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 na. Yeah, that's from like freaking Robin Hood, right? Like Kevin Costner, Robin Hood. <laughs> that's how awful it is. But like you know, like if you had to gauge the karaoke ability of all these hero songs, I feel like Enrique Iglesias and uh, Mariah Carey's hero songs kind of top the charts. Are you gonna treat us to a little bit? No, why would I do that? I can be your hero, baby. I can be your hero, baby. I just like the way it starts. It's like, would you dance? <laughs> if I asked you to dance. It's like, from the first words, he's like seducing someone into making him their his hero. Like, I can be your hero, baby. You know, and he's got his like mole and it's pulsing at you. And you're like, Gross. oh man, yes, yes. Be my hero, sir. <laughs> a pulsating mole. Yeah. No, all of it's worth it. Does the mole sing back up? <laughs> Obviously. It's like harmonizing and stuff. What if you... No, no, I won't go there. But I just... Uh, two words. Beatboxing mole. Beatboxing mole. Oh, that's beatboxing it. mole. All yeah, right. That's it. <laughs> okay, but more seriously, uh, I think today we wanted to just talk about, you know, um, heroes and like what does that say about us, who we admire, and all those kinds of things. And um, who were your heroes growing up? Like just like childhood heroes and things like that. April, I don't think I had any childhood heroes. Hmm, I really admired. Well, let's just say that it's a given. For many people, not everybody, but at least I know Vanessa and I are very lucky to have great parents. Mm. And so, of course, my Wait, you my went parents straight are for my the, heroes. What? Went straight for the the sentimental thing, or that we're going to start with like the funny ones. Like, <laughs> well, growing like, up, I mean, I'm thinking about like when I was like five, six, seven. Um, my heroes then were like. It wasn't Sailor Moon. I'm confused. No, I never saw Sailor Moon. I mean, I saw stickers Confusion. and paraphernalia, but I never actually watched Sailor Moon. What was it like? Were they all heroes? Um, well, there was like, you know, like a different kind of girl hero for each each type. You have like the really like strong, like female, like kind of, you know, like warrior type. And then you have the like the really brainy type. And then you have the very like fiery, sassy type. Kind of like the Ninja Turtles, but female. <laughs> and here I am talking about not female heroes, like the Ninja Turtles, because mine was definitely Donatello. I think I tended towards the Brady one. I think everybody loved Donatello. He was he was like considerate. <laughs> that was his superpower. Yeah, he was a very considerate giant turtle. And also like invented things. So I mean, like I liked Lisa Simpson. You know, that's why I found Hermione to be a, a very satisfying character april disagrees hermione yeah i just like those those precocious kids you know that like i wanted to be them like if you like ever grow up like reading ender's game or um i don't know anywhere where like a kid is supposed to like stand up to the adults is that weird that at 30 i'm like yes I want to be a small child who stands up to adults. Like, um, my favorite book, for instance, uh-huh. To Kill a Mockingbird, Scout. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, she was all about kind of, like, learning and trying to be compassionate and not see those differences. 
and the only way she like separated people was like rude people versus like kind people you know right i don't know i just like that about her yeah i don't remember too much about that book i wouldn't have been able to tell you the main characters i remember boo radley is that the main character (laughs) atticus finch yes he was definitely a main character suddenly i feel like i'm at like a spelling bee yeah you get on that (laughs) spell it right or else no, but so Hermione is a hero of yours? I no no no. I don't think she's like a hero, but like if I were a kid growing up reading Harry Potter, like I would have responded to that like as someone who is my hero. Like they used, you know, their smarts and they were responsible and they were like 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 very take charge, I think. Um I'm trying to think of like if I had actual like this is a person I admire. Usually it was actually people like directly around me. Like I I had the privilege of like just having a lot of good influences and like like at my church there were a lot of like female like counselors who were like um very interested in investing in our lives and just like guiding us. And then like I had my share of like really awful ones which made the good ones even better. You know what I'm saying? They weren't like like sticklers to rules, but like what made them um my heroes was that they would they were great listeners they were yeah they were kind um and i was kind of like a rambunctious kid and they like put up with that they laughed they laughed at my jokes but they also knew that there was another side to me and then like you know like when i had counselors who like who i felt summarily had dismissed me as being rebellious or things like that like i definitely lost respect for them because you're smart as a kid you get it you know how adults actually feel about you and you know it's based definitely on the way that they treat you whether it's genuine or not and you know you just what were some things that that you did as a rambunctious young child that got teachers mad at you i don't know i i just didn't listen to them when they would ask me to do things like or i would argue with them in sunday school like it was just one of i think i talked about this before like like if there was a time when i thought that um, they were wrong or they had like kind of made a generalization or something like that. I was like, um, I'd like to ask you a question about that. And then everybody <laughs> would get tense. Like everyone would get tense and like, Oh, you're that student. Yeah. I was definitely that student. And like, I mean, it came from a lot of pride, like a place of like a lot of pride that I knew more than a lot of people, which I mean, <laughs> definitely didn't win me any friends. But, you know, there's some people that, that recognize that kind of behavior and then try to channel it and, you know, like, want to listen. And That's um, so funny. I don't see that side of your personality that much. Oh, that Do you think of like, it's softened or do you think I just don't see it? There's not a whole lot of reasons for us to, like, to have those kinds <laughs> of conversations where, you know what I'm saying, where I'm like you're wrong you know like and there's not a lot of contexts like i have to be in a place where um i don't know it's it's a combination of like feeling really prideful and 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 feeling really comfortable and then kind of like a loss of respect too for the person that i'm relating with and so like i think that we don't experience that you know on on our friendship so there's no reason for me to be like well that thing that you said is wrong because it's always a discussion whereas like for you know like people that i didn't admire like it was more like um a way of tearing them down actually what's something that a teacher said that you didn't agree with that you got into a fight about oh gosh um 
I mean, this is kind of an intense example, but I think there's times where, like, you know, um, you you learn doctrine in in church, or you know, or or even in in college. Like, I would have professors, like they would say something that like was clearly, like they would gloss over something, and I would I would say, well, what about this? And then if they like the whole point was to stump them. Like, What's any, do you have any examples? I don't have any like professor examples in mind, but it definitely happened in a lot of my communication classes, because like they're not checked in like to freshmen or undergrads, and they don't care about you know who they're teaching in those classes. So you stick out like a sore thumb when you ask like questions directly to the professor that are meant to <laughs> like make it up they can't answer. But um, I remember one time in Sunday school for sure. Um, it was a Christian ethical ethics class, which I don't know. Um, I've always found kind of like that phrase to be interesting, but um, he basically was like, "Well, you know, abortion is very black and white, so we're gonna we're gonna skip over that for now." I was like, I raised my hand. I was like, "Excuse <laughs> me, what do you mean it's black and white?" Because th- th- there was just like no discussion, as if like he assumed that everybody on in the room was on the same page, and that every topic ever covered. By Christian ethics, every Christian felt the same, which I was just like, whoa, mm. <laughs> let's back up here. So definitely not one of my heroes. But if it was like... <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back to heroes. Yeah, just to, just to bring it back really quickly. I know, I know, I know we're talking about this stuff because it's like, it's a side of me that not, most people don't see, like that smart Alex side of me. That's, that's where it trends into is like, that like, it like the confident funny side will also be like a smart aleck and like you know want to want to prove something to some other people and I, I think like it's a tendency that i'm trying to like i mean i can see maybe a, a, a certain side of that but certainly not like being argumentative i suppose mm. is what i find surprising okay so since we're talk- we've talked we're, about like, people, this whole part out. we've like, talked about people who are not our heroes. Yeah, now that we've covered that whole subject, <laughs> well, let's talk about kick-ass heroes. Like you were just like, oh, I gotta be that person. That Do person is amazing. Uh, Buffy. <laughs> was that like growing up, or is that like to this day? To this day, for me, it's Veronica Mars. Really? Yeah. Well, because you weren't like as. I was pretty into Buffy, but I wasn't into Buffy the way that you were into Buffy. Okay. I don't know. Well, I always... <laughs> this is going to sound stupid. No, but I want to hear it I now. always <laughs> see Buffy as, like, the Old Testament. <laughs> Whoa. And Veronica Mars as the New Testament. <laughs> I love this analogy. I want to know where it's going, like, right now. I don't know what how to explain it, but just that, like, Buffy... I mean, obviously, it's not completely original but Mm -hmm. i think that has started something Mm -hmm. you know with like the strong young plucky intelligent kick-ass female yeah who you know did things her own way Mm -hmm. and saved the world by being resourceful and intelligent and at the same time witty like buffy predated like alias like i'm trying to think of like female-centric shows that you know like the earliest example I can think of is like Gem, where she's like a crime fighter. I did, I never watched Gem. 
Yeah, but it was like I think like there were so many sparkles that it like actually <laughs> like lowered the points of feminism. It was like I don't know. Well, there's Shira, there's Wonder Woman, oh, Shira, you know yeah. those type. But that's before my time. That's true. You know, I mean, I think that Buffy in my life was perfectly timed. Um, it started when I was in eighth grade. Just like Russell Russell Wong, and <laughs> like. Uh, what are it, you saying, Vanessa? Wait, 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 well, cause, like, How was Russell Wong perfectly timed in your life? Oh, well, like, uh, okay, was it Vanishing Sun? Yeah. Like, that was, like, <laughs> when I wanted Asian-American, like, heroes, and, like, I'd watched Bruce Lee, and I watched, you know, martial arts films, which is great, but to have, like, a leading man that was Asian and, like, hot and, like, you know, um, you know, all, all the... Like, he was admired, but he was, like, kind of, like, a rogue. You know, like, yeah. it was just, like... and But, like, it wasn't all about him just being, like, this, like, Asian-American. It wasn't, like... It wasn't, like, discussion around that. It was just, like, he was, like, I'm avenging this thing, and, like, I'm a badass. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you should embrace that. But what about you for Buffy? Like, so you think that, like, Buffy started something, right? And then how did that help like affect the way that you wanted to like be eventually or well i don't think that it was a progenitor of those kinds of ideals of like you know feminism and things like that um i mean i think that stuff started in me very very early just Mm. because of how i was raised you Mm -hmm. know my dad both my parents from very early on (coughs) you know it says we are in no way ever to think that we're any less than males and if anyone should, like, say that to us, we just have to, like, prove them wrong and kick them in the nuts and stuff like that. Which is kind of cool, because, like, I think there's a sense, a general sense that in Asian culture, like, like people assume that females are less valued. Like, I've had a lot of people who just assume that in Chinese culture, like, or in China especially, like, that they don't value females because those are the... You know, like, those are the ones that are abandoned as orphans so that right. they can do the one-child rule. But that's not, like, I don't know. just seems like a false assumption. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't have enough knowledge to talk about that. But I, I'm curious, like, if we were to have some kind of, like, Chinese culture scholar here, you know, what would what would they say about how that's changed around the world or in China? But... <laughs> Anyway, heroes. Heroes. This is going to be one of those ones. It's going to be one of those ones. We'll, we'll like, we'll like, we'll go down a path and then we'll come back eventually. So, you know, just sit back, enjoy the ride. That's what I think. Um, But yeah, okay, so Buffy. Buffy as a kid. Wait, so do you now, do you think the, your idea of Buffy as a hero has evolved, like, over the years? Or or do you have you moved on to different heroes? Or I don't know. I think... It sounds so, I feel so silly talking about this, but I'm just kind of a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. Embrace like, it. <laughs> just, just take it. Can I, can I say the name Xena? <laughs> you have uttered the name Xena on this podcast, <laughs> making it explode. <laughs> when I was in 10th My grade. My computer broke. When I was in 10th grade, I had this huge poster of Xena on my wall and I have a picture of me standing on my bed with like suggestively like having my hands and leg all over Xena poor Lucy Lawless she had no idea I don't know I just 
love strong chicks. Like I never really saw myself as a feminine girl, mm. and um, I don't find that femininity interesting or like something to aspire to be. You know, I think it's not that there's anything wrong with it, but I I just like strong chicks. Yeah. Wait, was it the fact that she could go toe to toe with a guy too? Like Yeah, with anybody. I yeah, I, I kinda agree. I don't know if I like had the same like Zeta you know, like <laughs> zeal. But definitely like I didn't respond to characters that like um like like when we were growing up when like later on like i don't know if it was still high school but like alan beale and they were talking about this new brand of feminism that used sexuality but i just didn't respond to that i was just like i don't know she seems kind of like a klutz and not that cool and just like there were things about like i liked lucy Liu. uh-huh but i mean again she's using her sexual power you know like she's she's owning that and like that's her thing and she's actually perpetuating like dragon lady stereotypes right but then there was something about her like that she like you What's know the dragon lady stereotype oh um it's basically there's like you know asian american or asian females have been portrayed like like on like just two poles like throughout history and one is like the submissive geisha type um where you know they're like pleasing their man and very quiet and like they laugh at all this joke, and like you know, like there's a there's a sense of subservience, and then and then there's the dragon lady who's like powerful and ball busting, but like um, the idea is to conquer her, and I think you know like it it does a disservice to everybody to believe that there's only these types in the world, right? right. So yeah, so in some senses, Lucy Liu, even though she was a powerful female, was in a way typecast. For a lot of her career, I think, just as a specific, like, kick-ass. Where, actually, right now, her role in, sh- not Sherlock, uh, elementary. elementary, has a little bit of both, where she's not, like, completely in charge all the time. It's so funny that you ask that, because that's one of the questions we got. Um. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, are we, are we going straight to questions? Well, just because it's, like... We're talking about it right now. Sure. Lucy Liu as Dr. Joan Watson on Elementary. Yes or no? This is from our friend Andy. I mean, I've I've read it in articles that like she's just portraying um, a specific type of female. So I I'm not like a huge like f- like I don't watch this show a lot. Um, but yeah, people have noted that her performance and also. Um, the woman who's playing um, Nikita, uh, can't think of her name. Maggie Q, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they're, you know, they're they're more nuanced in their performance. They're not just one thing or the other. Like even Ming Na Wen, as um, she's that shield agent that's like a complete like hard ass or whatever. Like that's maybe too far down that road. You know, where she's not, she doesn't have vulnerabilities, but she's also, like, you know, like, you, she's supposed to have vulnerabilities, but also be able to take care of herself at the same time. And so it's it's nice to see characters like that. Um, 
like Dr. Joan Watson is a doctor, but she made a mistake, you know, like a fatal mistake. And now she has to pay for that mistake. So that's kind of cool. And that she's not like, she's like attractive and put together, but she's not like, oh, falling over every guy that she sees, specifically the lead character. Like her, her purpose in this whole thing is not to um, be the romantic like the romantic counterpart for the lead, which I think like a lot of females end up being right in a lot of movies. Um, but I, you know, yeah, I don't. I what do you think about women in television, or just in just Asian in just women? like yeah, Asian women in t- television, and like um, I mean, we're, we're moving into territory of even like Asian American heroes in general. But like, like. W- what would your ideal character be like if you were like to portray like um like an asian american female on television not not you personally portray but if you were to write a character into existence in television what would she be like you know asian buffy (laughs) yes well because she's all those things she's like super strong she's got the weight of our world uh weight of the world at her shoulders god i totally bungled that but um, totally she also has you know vulnerabilities and um i don't know it sounds really silly but like we are both huge fans of buffy and veronica mm-hmm, mars mm-hmm. and oftentimes when i'm going through something tough in my life i just go buffy did but buffy went through this and she was okay yeah she, she got through that i actually i was um uh, i mean since we're coming back to Buffy, I was just watching the episode where she... Um, this episode should just be called Buffy. <laughs> I'd totally be okay with that. I mean, it was the episode where, you know, um, Angel is now Angelus again, where he's, like, bad and stuff like that. And then in the end, you Becoming know, part two. Yes, becoming part... <laughs> I saw both of them back to back, by the way. Oh, that's so hard. It was it was worth it, though. Is it that totally your, like... It. It was like badge of honor. Yeah, like being a Buffy fan, watching two episodes back to back. It was. It was. <laughs> I don't know. Life changing for that. Like that one. No, what? Like hour and a half. I was watching those two episodes back to back. But it's such a great episode. I just remember that one scene where she has to close the portal, and I'm not going to reveal how she does it. But like that moment, like. To be honest, David Boreanaz's performances was awful. Like I mean, like looking back at it as it like a. Like altogether or just that a those episodes like that he was good when he was bad but when he was he was like oh hey buffy i'm back to being angel again um it wasn't as good as like buffy's performance on the moment she has to do it and she has to like leave and i was just like oh my gosh <laughs> this is good television <laughs> you know like it, it, it was like it was it was just so great and like yeah you know like to leave the ones you love and to abandon that and to like find your own path and like to take responsibility for what your destiny is whatever all well, those it's things only that, right? it's like giving you know sacrificing for what's right and what sacrificing what you love the most you know for the greater good like she's like i have to go save the world mom and and her mom's like no you don't no she's like i have to kill you know the love of my life yeah yeah but 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 i mean like like first she has to say goodbye to her friends then she says goodbye to her family and then she says goodbye to the man she loves 
which like in that order she's asked to um whist- like she's like what else do i have to lose and whistler's like one more thing <laughs> yeah this is getting so deep like no one is listening anymore <laughs> First of all, the show has been off the air since 2002. What? That's 12 years ago. <laughs> I don't understand. And you're bringing up the name Whistler, <laughs> which appears in like five episodes. <laughs> There's Whedonites out there. We're digging it. Okay, okay. So so if we walk, we walk a little bit away from Buffy in terms of like, you know, um, okay, so you have these uh, people that you know growing up you were watching but like who who now like on top of buffy who have you added to your pantheon of heroes for yourself well i i don't know if it's recently but you know i talked about my parents Mm -hmm. and i mean i think that it's worth singing our parents praises sure just because it happens so rarely people are tuning back in (laughs) they're like yes let's talk about that (laughs) but you know like I think I take it for granted, like, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, like the themes of sacrificing the things that you want for for the greater good, Mm. you know, and I think that's definitely something that both my parents are familiar with, you know, Mm. like they never pursued a career for themselves that they loved or were passionate about, Mm -hmm. you know, like they were designing a life for us and doing everything to make that possible, you know, to give us all the opportunities that we could. And right. they didn't let their own desires sort of distract from that, I suppose. Mm. Um, which is hard, obviously. Right. You know, I mean, it's like a whole generation has to ignore their own needs and their mm-hmm. own desires. And I don't know if that's necessarily like, that's what a hero does, but because that has really big consequences too, you know. Um, uh, but that requires a lot of strength, and I think like as much as as much you know difficulty as I might have with my parents for for this reason or for that reason, um, you know, it's always I'm always in awe of that. Mm. Um, and at the same time, I I I, I also admire my sisters Mm. um who i always thought of like a slightly more lenient set of parents to me (laughs) (laughs) because they look after me and they encourage me and um i i remember because my parents worked a lot Mm -hmm. you know and so there are a lot of times when they were not around the house and when my sisters were old enough to be hanging out their friends outside the house I had to always go with them Mm. and so a lot of my childhood was like going with my sisters to their friend's house them hanging out and me sitting in the corner (laughs) like just kind of (laughs) passively listening but also just being that person who's like the fly on the wall and like really Mm. really like idolizing them and their group of friends and Mm. like yeah this is this is what it's supposed to be like you know Mm -hmm. like popular and attractive and um and intelligent and successful you know it's like those are great um examples to have in your life when you're growing up right right no i think i think we're definitely of the lucky set where um there's so much to point to good you know about the the way that we were raised and the the way that our you know like for me for my parents like when i think of like heroes right so like i feel like they embody like both things you want from a hero like for my dad who like 
like they're getting old right but like i think my dad is constantly learning you know he's constantly trying new things and changing and desiring to um not just like self-improvement projects but like really reaching for something that um you know like when he when he gets into a project he'll go really deep into it you know he'll like learn every aspect and like what's a project that he does um like right now he's he's his newest passion is to do um so my dad's a a pastor right and he his his desire is that you know that uh families learn together not like separately you you develop yourself this way and then your kids will develop this way let's put them in programs and let's you know like let's let someone else raise them he's all about like this idea of kind of the family together being you know like united in um like spiritual health like their whatever their faith journeys are um and uh it's just a different kind of parenting and so like he's he goes to like conferences still you know he's still like learning materials he's like listening he's reading all the time and you know like he's to apply in his own life or to encourage other people to to encourage other people like to become a teacher and so like i mean he even did like uh he even switched jobs like later on i mean he had he was pretty sitting comfortably at his old job that he'd had for 20 plus years do you know what i'm saying and then he goes and switches to to pastoring another church and it's not like because there was conflict but really like you know he he he's pushing himself he's always pushing himself you know to like um to do better to be better and and i think that that's something i really admire like i want to be constantly learning i don't want to like assume that i know all these things and that you know like i'm wherever i am is good Mm -hmm. do i'm saying like so many people i think want to like just retire and just kind of like sit on a beach somewhere in like florida and just like play shuffleboard which shuffleboard very admirable (laughs) florida not so much but you know like um you know like even when he's like 70 80 he's not just gonna be like you know just with a grandchild on his knee he's gonna be like you know with a grandchild reading a book and the book is about like astrophysics, whatever whatever his next thing is, he wants to learn. And then my mom, who was definitely very sacrificial, like um, the hardest thing for her was actually going back to work. Like I think a lot of times we we see our, you know, like in in Western culture, like the idea of like sacrificing work, like as an individual sacrifice. You know, like oh, you gave up your individual rights to be a mother, like which is why like being a mother is kind of devalued sometimes like you're not pursuing that thing but then um like she thought or she wanted to help our family you know by going back to work and that was extremely hard um because she she's just having to work while she's older and like that sacrifice like i didn't even realize how much it meant to her that we saw it until like later on in life like it was like i was in element i don't know i was in high school or something and i was like i'm really thankful that my mom went back to work because i know that like she has to work long hours and commute and she started crying i was like whoa and it's like i was just like what happened you know like like in high school or something or middle school whenever she went back to work after like but what were we saying this oh like in um 
like a, a church camp context. I don't know what we were talking about. Like things we are thankful for about our parents. I don't know uh, what it was, uh-huh. but it was just like, um, in that instant, it clicked. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you know, hopefully as a child, you're like more observant. <laughs> so like that. And I think I wasn't, you know, like I, you know, like sometimes as a kid, you're very like inwardly focused, but, um, I'm thankful that I had that moment of clarity where I was like, she like really um, didn't want to have to go to back, didn't want to have to go back to work. You know, some people do and that's fine, you know, but like for her, like she had wanted to stay home and she thought she was abandoning us by going to work. And I know your parents have worked for, you know, like most of your time growing up. So like, yeah, it was like hard for her to extricate herself you know, for those things. So, yeah, I think um, that sacrifice. Like, it's the idea of, like, you know, trying to do better, be better, but also, like, sacrificing. I think those two things, like, um, are what I admire about other people. we talk about our parents we talked about Buffy but like if they're like what are some current heroes that you have that are completely new that like maybe are reintroduced to your life as someone you admire but back then you wouldn't have put them in that place of like hero dumb for yourself do you can you think of anybody well it sounds so <coughs> silly and like new agey I wouldn't say that these people are heroes necessarily, Mm. but I think people who I sort of gather a lot of knowledge from, I suppose, are like, you know, self-help people, Mm -hmm. um, like books and blogs and and podcasts that I listen Mm -hmm. to. Um, I guess comedians, I could say, or certain comedians are sort of heroic to me. Mm. Um, I, I really like authenticity. I think that's probably one of my most important characteristics that someone can have mm. um, is if someone can be authentic and true to themselves and true to their feelings. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that's what a lot of comedians are, you know, like they're sort of the truth tellers, right. you know, they make observations and that, you know, might someone else saying it might be uncomfortable or controversial but because they have this gift of humor you know it's sort of like taken um a little easier or taken in a little more easily mm-hmm. um and so i guess those are two two types of people who maybe in the last like you know five to ten years have started to mean a lot to me you know mm-hmm. authenticity and like someone who can speak to sort of the emotional slash mental health slash you know, existential, spiritual side, like very directly and sort of bring that part out because, you know, um, in our community, it's not something that's considered to be valid Mm. or important. And for me, it's like very, very, very important. Mm. That's cool. It's a luxury, you know? Right. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's a necessity, you know? And I think the less we think of things as luxury, as of men, The more we think of mental health as a necessity, you know, like, the better off our lives will be, I think. 
Hmm. It's just a dumb soundbite. No, I think you're right. I think that there's a sense that, um, you know, those things that have been traditionally undervalued are the things that, like, we realize become so important, you know? Like, right, you said, like, a, ne- a necessity that we engage in those things. And actually, like, I think right now, like, in terms of, like, people close to home heroes or, like, like um, some of my you know, some of my collaborators on my film, like, um, and she's gonna be so embarrassed, but, uh, like, Judy Fu and Francis Chang, like, um, they, I admire them so much, because they're doing something so difficult, which is, you know, like, to do the thing you love, and to, to do it against, like, so many odds, and to work so hard, like, those people that are hustlers, like, that are constantly, um, not relying on um, laurels or, you know, like they're, they're like out there actively trying to figure out what is the next thing for themselves. Like Christina Wong and um, like those people who say, I will do this thing and then go get it. And um, I mean, their work ethic is out of control. Like, I just don't know when they sleep. And to me that... Because I've always felt like a little more lackadaisical. I mean, some people like... Lackadaisical. Yeah, lackadaisical. Like, just like... Sometimes I feel like I fall into things. You know, like, oh, I got lucky that I got this job. Or, oh, I I don't know how I got into grad school. You know, and like, I do try hard. But there's some things where I don't feel like, you know, I try hard enough. I think that, you know, like, there's that balance, right? But in terms of like, just heroes, it's, it's, it's watching people... Um, yeah, go out and do the thing that they said they would do. Like, um, I always. Do you call, think that we um, look like our heroes are the people who embody things that we feel like we lack and we wish that we had? Yes, probably. I think. I think. Yeah, it's like. I don't know. It just depends on how far away they are. Like, if you admire them from afar or if they're, like, close by. But, like, those people you that are close by that are heroes are, like, definitely... You see a quality in them, that, in them that you want for yourself, you know? And I think, actually, what's funny about that is on the opposite side, like, the villains in your life are people who, without knowing it, they have the same hang-ups, the same issues that you do. So you see the worst of yourself in them. That's what I believe. Like, who? Uh, I mean, I won't say any names, but, like, there was definitely, like, people in grad school where I hated them. And, like, that's because not... Why? Because why? Because I thought they were arrogant. Because I thought um, they weren't respectful to other people. That, um, uh, that, yeah, that they had a lot of entitlement and things like... Things that, like, make me angry, uh-huh. you know? But there's a lot to what you see in other people as being wrong or bad or evil and not recognizing it in yourself, that blind spot that you have in yourself. So whenever I do find a villain in my life, I go like, well, why are they a villain? Like, why do you think that this person is so opposite of you? Well, someone told me like, when you point one finger at someone, you're pointing four fingers back at yourself. You mean like in fourth grade? Someone said that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just making sure. What someone said was, April, don't worry about Vanessa. Worry about April. Oh. <laughs> no one actually said that to me, but um, I think that's maybe 
No, that's more of like just stay out of other people's business <laughs> or, you know, don't tattle or whatever. But like, it's true, you know, when you spot something that you don't like in somebody else, that means that you probably have it in yourself. I mean, yeah, people are complicated. You have lots of things, but when you zero in on something like, you know. Yeah, no, it's so true. I think that um, it's, it's, it's like different sides of the same coin, you know, like, um, but like, okay, so the next thing that I want to talk about is like, even in your heroes, like finding out that they don't always measure up to like, cause I think there was kind of a disillusionment process as I grew up. Um, and I can't think of any specific examples, like right off the top of my head, but I think definitely there were people where if they let me down, like I was really crestfallen. Like, oh, okay, I do, okay, so mentioning, um, like, female mentors, right? I had this female mentor that I thought was close, I was close with, and then I heard that she had told someone else that she didn't like getting my calls. Ooh, how'd you hear that? Through another person. And, and I just immediately flipped. Like, I was just like, like... Is it a church thing? Yeah, oh. yeah. And, um... That sucks. It, you know what, though, like... I get it, like... Well, but at the same time, like, if she just... If she said that in private... I mean, maybe the person who's that should be at fault is the person who, like, tattled. Yeah, but it was, like, a peer. So, like, you know, it's not like they were using that much discretion in their life already. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, that was, that was her bad, and, like, she probably regrets that she said anything, because I, like... Like, she could tell that I was, like, really incensed. But, like, um... I get it now, like, as a counselor, when you deal with kids, um, you're still human, you know, and you still mess up, and I see uh, people who want to be mentors, you know, do all the wrong things, which is, like, to enable behaviors, or to um, buy affection, do you know what I'm saying, things like that, that, you know, looking back, like, oh, that's, that's pretty bad, but also, like, to talk about the kids in a way that's like if they heard you it would be really discouraging like you just have to be careful for that you know right. so i learned from that you know like in that moment though like it was pretty bad i was like unhappy to the max you know like are you angry or are you sad or both? i was most i was probably both but like i reacted in anger where like What'd you I rejected, do? did you punch a hole in the wall no i wish no <laughs> not that strong i'm not buffy all right <laughs> But uh, it was definitely a moment where, um, yeah, like a low point because because I didn't handle it well. This is in college? I, no, it wasn't in college. It was like in high school. Oh. Um, yeah, there was like a graceful way to do that, which is like to move on. And then there was like, every time I see her at something, like I would just totally ignore her and not talk to her. Did she? And just like talk crap behind her back. Do you know oh, what I'm saying? Really? Like, I just, I just like, you know, you know, like all the tools at a teenage girl's disposal. Yeah. You know, short of, like, ruining their lives. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, like, she probably doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, like, she's probably like, whoa, what happened? How old was she at that time? 20s, probably. Okay. Yeah. So, that's the thing. It's, like, realizing that someone's human. I mean, it's the same process you go through, like, right, with um when you realize that your parents are human, you know, that they're people they make mistakes and like how and like some people learn that sooner than others which you know like i did it well i mean you you get indications of like 
ways that you wish um, interactions with your parents had gone differently. But then, um, yeah, I think with heroes, like, there's definitely a moment where you're, like, floored. Well, I have a similar experience. I think I've told you this before, and I might have even talked about it on in the documentary. But um, my first year of college, when I was, you know, very lonely and alienated and didn't uh-huh. have friends because the transition was hard for me. Right. Um, I had this one English teacher who mm-hmm. was technically a TA, but, um, you know, she taught her own class and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I and I'd go to her. This. I'd go, I think I did. I'd go to her office hours and ask for advice. I mean, it was my very first English class. Sure. And, you know, I'm an English major, so it meant a lot to me uh, to do well in the classes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd ask for help, and then I'd get good grades. And then, you know, I, I mean, I really felt like I needed the guidance, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I get very nervous, like, when I perceive something to be advanced and, like, writing papers for a college-level teacher is, like, very, you know, in my head, very intimidating. So, you know, office hours are resources at your disposal, and right. I definitely took advantage of them. And didn't help, or it didn't hurt that she was also a really big Buffy fan. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and that we could, like, talk about that sometimes. Yeah, you formed a connection. Yeah, and... And then, you know, maybe like the third or fourth time I went to office hours, she told me that that she, that she thinks I'd become dependent on her to, you know, help with, with papers and stuff like that. And that um, I shouldn't come to office hours because I can figure it out myself or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't as like harsh as that might sound, but like. You know, she said something along those lines, and I was really sad. And she wasn't necessarily even a hero for me, but, mm. you know, she was someone who I felt, like, connected with. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think um, there's always, like, a, a recalibrating process, you know? Like, I think about some of my current heroes and ways that... Or at least even even when I think of them as my heroes. I also think of them, I try to incorporate their flaws into the whole picture of them. Like, um, all those people who do work really hard to do what they want, like, can they catch a break for themselves, you know? And in that sense, it's like, they're a hero, but they're you're also trying to learn from them, you know? Like, say you took any, uh, like, <laughs> like Buffy, um, you know, like, the way that... Um, like, she definitely wasn't always perfect when she handled things, right? She, like, started a codependent relationship with Spike. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just went there. I just, 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 just different things where you're, like, um, you know, I want to use, like, a real-world example, but now I'm, like, we're stuck. We're stuck in a Buffy rut. But, like, it's just, like, oh, okay, so I admire this person for these specific qualities, but then you're also, like, but I know that they're not always perfect all the time, and, you know, like... So that process is a lot easier when you know that you're taking into account this whole person versus just this idealized image, which in my mind, like, or for me and who I am and how I operate, I, I work on idealized images of things. Like, like in my life, I have an idealized image of who I am and who I want to be. And when that doesn't match up, there's obviously unhappiness. But, you know, um, same you goes know, with so people. It's so funny because I was about to say the exact opposite. <laughs> I was about to say... Hero worship is such a juvenile thing. <laughs> mm. I mean, literally, like, it's something that is possible when you're young. Mm. Because you haven't yet learned, 
you know, human complexity mm-hmm. and the fact that no one is perfect and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Um, and How is it opposite, though? Well, because you're saying I live in this world of idealized things oh, and right, I right, have right. this idealized version of myself and da 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 Or it's like, I don't know, I never really had, I mean, outside of fictional characters like Buffy where they're their shortcomings and weaknesses are already worked in. Mm. And that to me creates like, you know, a perfect real person. Mm. Um, I wait, can I, can I, can I, um, can I, uh, qualify? (laughs) Can I qualify? (laughs) And the sentence, uh, can I qualify what I mean by that? I think like, it's not good to live in idealized images. Um, but because it's my predisposition, I just have to be like careful of that. Because I tend to, like, just get fixated on, like, the really cool aspects of a person. I just want to be excited about those things all the time. But, you know, then it just causes more, like, expectation failure, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, the only people I feel like deserve, like, hero status in my life, I suppose, are, you know, like, my parents. Mm -hmm. And, um... Your your sister. Your your sister. And my sisters. (laughs) And, you know fictional superheroes who i love you know well i i think what's interesting i was just kind of pondering the whole like i wonder if as children like our heroes are people that are more distant you know like they are like kind of more caricature of things you know and and i'm not saying that buffy is a caricature of anything like but she's still very like there's you have no access to her like except you know through the medium of television right and then like with our families and stuff like that we you know we have to live with them we are forced to like be on terms with them and then um i and i wonder if it's like you know like if you grow up you're supposed to have people closer to you that you're supposed to admire do you know what i'm saying i wonder if that's like a thing but like do here does hero a childhood hero does that translate into another word when you're older do you mean Mm, yeah maybe or like how how do our heroes evolve for us you know like what does it mean you know what does it say about us and how we develop like the way that you know our heroes are first distant and then they're like closer by you know like when did your parents become your heroes was it very young or i don't i don't (coughs) know Mm. i think probably not when i was very young Mm -hmm. um probably like in the last 10 years Mm. because you really do understand like, you know, or I really began to understand like the sacrifice, like me becoming an adult and like thinking about what I want to do with my life, you know, and like, um, what are the different options and this and this and that. And like for them, there was, there were no options, Mm. you know, and how, how difficult it must be to like really stay true to this mission, you know? Um, and forget all of your desires and stuff. Right. Um, I mean, not to say that that's the way that you shouldn't live your life, but it's the way that a certain generation had to, you know. What you were talking about actually made me think, like, um, and, you know, like, when in your life do you decide to, like, become yourself a hero? Because, like, I feel like... I, I know, this, is, so grand. this is, like... <laughs> but, but, well, Vanessa, I decided to become my own hero. No, 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 no but I, like I have a tendency towards mentorship, and uh, I think that I want to see myself heroically. Like I probably, I, I mean, that's probably a true statement. Like I just right. want to be 
Like, I want to be, you know, I'll be the knight who will fight for your honor. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, like that idea of being heroic in that way is exciting to me, which is why I always like try to mentor people who are younger. You know, like I like having. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it's kind of splitting hairs, you know, like what is the motivation behind that desire? Because at the end of the day, if you're mentoring someone and you're a good person, then that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. you know but when you like go into the psychology of like are you helping just so that you can see yourself as a hero mm-hmm. or do you care about this person or like what's the percentage you know mm-hmm. what well, would you how would you well, i'm trying to breed super villains so i don't know you're what <laughs> you're trying to breed super villains yeah yeah i'm just like we're we're gonna be a you know like anti-justice league <laughs> league of doom were they called league of doom yeah which is this is the geek podcast by the way well, I can't join you in all that. I don't know what you're talking about. It'd be like, you know, Spike and Drusilla and how they're like, you know, okay. sired. <laughs> as long as you bring it back to Buffy, yeah, then, then we're on board. Yeah, okay. Then, then you salvage <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, like, uh, do, do you mentor people? I mean, like, is that something in your life that you found to be rewarding or that you wanted to do? I mentor people, but I don't. I don't want to talk too much about it because I think that that leads into an icky area. Okay. But I do it, and I'm trying not to like pat myself on the back or anything like that. But um, I guess the reason behind me doing it is that oftentimes I get into this super, you know, reflective state, and I mm-hmm. think that nothing in life is worth anything. Everything mm-hmm. is empty and meaningless. And everyone just, you know, accumulates and accumulates and accumulates, whether it's materials or ego or whatever. Mm. Um, and I, I, in those moments, the only saving grace is, is service. Mm. Um, and that's the only thing that's worth anything. And obviously that's not true. That's a very extreme way of looking at things mm. but that's how i sort of come down to it mm. is that nothing i m- might do in this life matters for anything like i'm not out there saving the world you know um or you're trying in to the s- peace corps or, or you could try to stop my league of doom <laughs> right and i haven't amassed like wealth and i don't have like a fancy place to live or or anything like that but um I don't know. Yeah, that's just how I came to it. Is like I felt very empty at some point, mm-hmm. and and the only thing that made any sense was service. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like for me, like <laughs> I feel like I'm. I'm. I like. If you didn't want to talk about it, I feel bad going down that road. But for me, it was just like I just had good, you know, people like leading the way for me and I wanted that same thing for other people um people who were working against some of the not so good things you know like I was talking about you know the Sunday school teachers who weren't that great but there were Sunday school teachers who I admired greatly Mm -hmm. who I thought were worthy of respect and worthy of um admiration and worthy to like kind of follow in their footsteps and you know like you you want to give back in the way that you were given you know like from great, great, was it 
um, for for those who uh, much has been given, you know, you know, much will be required and stuff like that. So that, you know, if you were gifted with good mentors or heroes in your life, you know, like, you know, we had people who loved us in our lives and gave to us like sacrificially and without without asking for anything in return um, necessarily out loud. But like, you know, like then that enables you or empowers you, I should say, to like give back in other ways, you know, that you didn't have like yeah just the idea of um kind of receiving and then like turning it back out into the world is something good right so and i mean it's kind of meta because like what are we doing right now you know wait what we're sitting here <laughs> what are talking we doing about right like buffy and mental health and you know it's supposed to be something that benefits other people and i really hope it does you know i wish mm-hmm. that there were voices out there when I was growing up, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, that made me feel less crazy or less worthless or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes like I, I put out there that, you know, like, especially to younger people, like, okay, I went through this time of depression knowing that like, if they've never gone through it, that I could be like completely judged and like think I'm weird or crazy or, gross right like that she's being so like ushy gushy with her feelings but that hopefully there's that one person in the room who knows what i'm talking about and thinks that okay one because i feel this because i feel this way now doesn't mean um i'm sick or you know like deranged or you know what i'm saying like it's something that people go through and that if i ever had someone that i need to talk to about it like that i would know who that person is you know so in that sense, like, I don't think it's, like, very heroic or anything like that. But it definitely um, opens up channels that, you know, where people can access, like, this podcast. Yeah. Have we, have we self-validated enough? <laughs> I know. I, I think we could probably do, like, a couple more pats on the back. <laughs> but uh, I'm feeling kind of lazy. You're just going to have to do it for me. I'm just going to have to turn around. You're gonna have to do it for we'll me. just have to pat each other on the back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like monkeys. Wait, what? Are you also grooming me? What's yeah. going on? What's happening now? I, I do not want. No, thank you. Do you have any other questions about heroes? Um... I, I think I'm plumb out for now. I'm sure, I don't know if any we have any listener questions or... Yeah. Well, before we get to listener questions, I wanted to bust out these um, props that I bought at Barnes & Noble the other day. And yeah, the little, like, kitschy novelty gifts and stuff like that. And I found this deck of pseudo-tarot cards that are really funny. They're called <coughs> um, Therapy Flashcards. And, um... I guess tarot cards or therapy flashcards. Come on, let's decide. <laughs> so not be both. So there's like you know a therapy related word on one side, and the other side is the definition and like a humorous little illustration and uh, <laughs> caption. It's oh so very New York, uh, New Yorkery. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm gonna hold out the deck, and Vanessa's gonna choose a random card. And then she's going to have to extemporize. 
Oh no. What? Were you back at speech and debate? I didn't realize it. <laughs> By the way, speech and debate. Ms. Novak, you're still my hero. <laughs> Except that I can see you're so much my hero, I can't even call you Ashley. Oh, great. Fixation. <laughs> Speaking of fixation on speech and debate. Just kidding. What, what, am I, what am I doing? I'm just extemporizing on fixation. Well, read, read the back. Okay. So the back says, fixation. Um, noun. A, an obsessive or unhealthy preoccupation or attachment. B, a persistent concentration of libidinal, whoa, energy toward inappropriate <laughs> objects or relationships. All right. Characterized by <laughs> thumb sucking, in- inability to let go, possessiveness, stalking, creepiness. This oh. is definitely cl- clinical, you know, <laughs> creepiness. What's oh, the drawing? <laughs> the drawing is... Dear, your fixation on the horse is starting to trouble us. <laughs> Sounds like Equius. Um, okay, so I'm just going to talk about fixation. Well, actually, that's interesting because I think I get fixated on people. Like like they're, like we were talking about before, like they're admirable qualities. And so like to them, they become less this full person and more this quality that I admire. And I'm like you know, I really wish I was like them or like this person is amazing because, and then, you know, they become not them. Obviously like people in your mind are not them per se, because you can't fully understand anybody, but they just become very like one or two dimensional. Who's an example of someone you've fixated and on? (laughs) We're going to cut out the pause, right? (laughs) Uh, oh, man. So someone who's one or two qualities you that, really I, like. This could be a very awkward idealized conversation. And, is it me, Vanessa? Are we going to keep on yep. validating each yep. other? <laughs> so April. Um, Don't. Can you think of another example? Yeah, I was like, uh, monkey grooming. What? Um <laughs> If you can't think of anything, you want me to read a card and then you can have more time to think about it? Well, like maybe maybe it's easier to like talk about a quality you would get fixated on. Okay. I don't know. I just like having more real world examples, but sure. Okay, okay then you give a fi- real world example of fixation. No, that's your thing. Oh, man. I, uh, I'm trying to think of it recently. See, I don't really get fixated on people. I think when I first meet people and I think they're really cool, that's when I get fixated. I'm like, oh my gosh, we should just like hang out all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, ha, ha. oh, oh, uh, I don't think I was, mm, I wouldn't call it a fixation. But if there's something that that person does really well, I get fixated. Like, I'm like, can we talk about that thing that you do really well, like all the time? And they're like some kind of expert on something. And I'll just like, what? Like, so um, sometimes it's like, like mm, like animation or like crafts or like things that I can't do for myself that I have no capability of doing and then I go and like I get fixated and talking about that thing but nobody's ever been like you have an unhealthy fixation with this thing oh you know what people think I'm fixated on huh Kiersey <laughs> on personality you are test. kind of fixated on that What's up with that? I mean, I think I, I have my own theory about it, but, uh, you know. Well, your theory is that I like to figure people out, right? 
Yeah, so that you don't feel at a loss or like you have more control over a situation, basically. Yeah, well, that I'd understand the role that everybody's supposed to be playing, right? I mean, in a in a not as well, not only that, sense. but I think like say it's just one person we're talking about, you know, like you won't have to feel um, insecure if you like have this knowledge about this other person, which encompasses like positive things and negative things. Like I see a lot of people like trying to break down other people and it's because Um. it's sort of like it gives them power, makes them feel obviously less powerless Mm -hmm. and less vulnerable. Mm Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I don't mind it because I think it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I definitely, I think there's um there's a thing in me that wants to not classify people, but like take apart the bits and pieces and then put it back together and understand what makes the whole. Yeah, and, and like, but but like what's behind that? And I think that behind that is an insecurity, like behind everything. Like, I mean, the same goes for me too. I do the same thing with people, just not with the test. You I don't know? think curiosity is an insecurity, though. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, but I, I don't think that it's only curiosity. Like, yeah. Interesting. All right. This time is, for your dumb Are you word. ready to get <laughs> therapized? I, I guess. Because yeah, you, well, you like to break down other people, so I mean... No, no, no. You kind of have to take it, too, right? No, April, I do not have to take <laughs> it. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just like, okay, well, that's interesting. Like, I would never have thought that on those on those levels but are you ready yeah i made vanessa uncomfortable codependence oh oh yeah mutual attachment in which two or more people rely on each other emotionally often to the exclusion of outside influence and encourage one another's pathological condition especially substance abuse in classic situations the codependent cares for the unhealthy partner at the expense of caring for him or herself. Okay, so the codependent person is the, so to say, more healthy person. Characterized by a resistance to outside observation, inappropriate selflessness or selfishness, denial, exclusion from friends. <laughs> Parentheses, ball and chain syndrome. Codependence, bah, you and I should always ride the same horse. There's a lot about horses in this thing. <laughs> uh, that's definitely something I know a lot about because of experience in past relationships. Yeah. And something that I really hope that I've broken the pattern of. Because for a long time, I was dating a lot of guys who were very broken in some way. Mm-hmm. And my because my compulsion is to fix that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, it's not healthy for either person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of nice in some ways because you're like sort of, it's nice to sort of be in your own little bubble together. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like neither of you is really becoming a self-sufficient person, you know, emotionally independent and all that stuff. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, are, are, you, are you allowed to give examples? Um... Well, like, you don't have to name a person, but I mean, like, what's one thing that you wanted to fix about someone? Well, so if someone had a lot of sort of, like, emotional issues, then I'd want to 
to un- to over understand all of them mm. and like sort of over put up with like um, what should be an acceptable unacceptable behavior mm. but just being like no it's okay because this and that and because that and that mm. and like you know over apologizing and like mm. wanting to and then it's also ego because like i myself want to be the person who's capable mm-hmm. of loving that person no matter what mm-hmm. like my faculties are are superior than other people other people's faculties you know or capacities for love or whatever mm-hmm. and understanding um and I think it comes from, you know, being raised with, like, hypercritical people, you know, and then always feeling the other end of that, of being, you know, not good enough or whatever. And then I grow up, go out into the world, find other people who don't feel good enough, and then try to fix those feelings for them. I see. You know, yeah. so it's kind of like... You know, the two people might look, like, different from the outside. Like, one person is so not together and the other person is is extremely together. But more often than not, they're just manifesting their sort of emotional issues in different ways. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, in extreme versions, you have people who, um, you know, domestic abuse... You know, Mm -hmm. why is this woman staying with this man who beats her up? Well, Mm -hmm. she feels like he just isn't understood by other people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that kind of sort of putting up with it, like perpetuates, you know, mm-hmm. the cycle and stuff. Yeah. I like to end all my very clinical, serious sentences by saying, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it actually validates <laughs> and a lot of let, what's happening. Let's do another disclaimer of like, I'm not an expert. So, you know, that's yeah, just Yeah, neither me. of us are experts, right? Sort of like talking from experience and mm-hmm, what you've learned. Yeah. 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 No, all that stuff. Fixations, codependencies, I think they definitely are things you have to identify and learn to work through, I guess. Right? Yeah, just recognize patterns. Yeah. Um, well, the un- unproductive ones or? Yeah. You know, like. How come nobody talks about recognizing productive patterns? How come nobody talks about that? Um, As if we only have. Ones well, don't they have not... like seven habits of highly successful people or something <coughs> like that? Those are productive practices and patterns. Yeah, but it's like towards commerce. <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes. Well, I mean, that kind of stuff goes toward anything. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I've I never feel like the there's book. a lot of literature out there that's like encouraging you to do this kind of, have this kind of thought pattern, mm. you know. Do you mean like you want you want to be recognized for being having productive thought pattern or having productive cycles or patterns? No, I just, I just making an observation that, um, a lot of times when we talk about patterns, they're often about like negative patterns and it's like identify the negative pattern, you know, but like even the word pattern, I think is not associated with like, yeah, like productivity or, um, uh, not and not productivity in terms of like actual results of commerce, but um, like this person tends towards this and this is good. Does that does that make sense? Like usually if it's like a tendency, then it's like not as good. Which maybe why I like Kiersey. That's right. We're back to that. <laughs> Which you know like if you have a tendency towards this, like he usually uses positive words because like people don't want to be boxed in and it's all about understanding differences 
which is why you like Enneagram because it's like, it's like it has the full scale right of like positive and negative right. Mm-hmm. All right, so you want to take some questions? Yeah, let's do it. I only have one question, and it's kind of a silly one, and it's also from Andy because he sent a couple. <laughs> but um, we'll do the three amazing things. Do Why it. don't you do it? Because I feel like. Uh, but you know him better. I feel like it's maybe too close to home if I do it. Uh, the question or the three amazing things? The three amazing things. Okay. Um, three amazing things about Andy. Um, uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I think that he's... I really admire um, the way he speaks and the way he writes. I think that's one cool, amazing thing about him. That the way he articulates himself, because um, he's a man of few words, and I'm I'm a woman of many. Um, like is that he chooses his words carefully, but they're also like, like calculatingly good. And I enjoy reading his stuff. Um, the second amazing thing is that he's in urban planning, which is something I get fixated on sometimes because it's 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 this kind of like weird science that is all about making systems better like city systems and i like that it's advocacy in a different way you know but he also has like a design brain so like having those two things together um is something that i wish i could have so that's an an amazing thing about andy and then the third amazing thing about andy is just how long you guys have been friends (laughs) i really like that about you guys um and just the way that you two get each other because i think there's not a lot of people like as we move through life and we change places and we 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 meet new people and people come and go that's one thing that has been um a nice constant um and and like it's not to say that your friendship hasn't changed at all but also just um it's it's more about the way that you two stay connected over distances so cool three amazing things yay i hope you enjoyed that yeah take that andy we can never (laughs) speak about this again (laughs) it would just be too personal (laughs) okay (laughs) question from andy guys and tank tops too much skin i don't know there's definitely a double standard because like when i think about Guys and tank tops, as long as they're, like, my immediate thought was, like, as long as they're muscled, it's fine. But that's, like, saying, like, <laughs> girls with skirts, as long as their legs are fine. That, that, so that that makes it a yucky double standard uh-huh. that, like, if a guy's, like, noodly armed or beefy armed, <laughs> like, you know, like, cheese with arms, then. What about beef noodly armed? Oh, if it's far arms, it's fine. <laughs> We're cool. We're cool. I don't know. What do you think? I don't like it. I, as I was telling your roommate, I think maybe the first tank top of the season catches me off guard. And I'm like, oh, so much arms. Aren't you, don't we live in like California? You could be like doing that in winter. You could like pull that in winter. I guess, but... I don't know. I think maybe recently I just like in one of my classes, some guy who was like super like um, business dressed all the time. And then one day it was a hot day and he came in with a tank top and I was so traumatized. She's like, who, who, what, what are those like, things? I've seen too much of your body. To your side, the sides of your body. What I shouldn't are those? be seeing that much skin. That flesh <laughs> doing there. 
<laughs> no, you know what though? Well, I think what's what's bad is that like living in LA, one people can wear tank tops at any time, but two like um, people like have a tendency to like want to look a certain way. So everybody wearing tank tops is like I'm here to show off my gun show. I'm like ugh. <laughs> And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> but, like, but but really, it's 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 a uh, it's it's a very it's all about image, and that's why I don't necessarily think guys in tank tops is like a stellar idea. But you know, people tend to disagree about this thing. So, <laughs> thanks, Andy, for that really relevant, <laughs> thought-provoking question. I think listeners at home are scratching their heads. I like random questions more than relevant questions. What brings about? it back to heroes. <laughs> Would you be my hero, baby? Does Enrique Iglesias wear tank tops? I'm pretty sure he does. I think his mole is wearing a tank top right now. I'm going to get like sued, cease and desist, talking about the mole. Leave it alone, Vanessa, God. I know. It just has its life to live. Just let it be. Just let it exist. I got to hate. Why you gotta hate on tank tops? <laughs> That's it. I'm done. So much hate. to dance. Everyone's lucky that I don't know the rest of the words of this song. I think we're done. Yeah, that's pretty much it. No, really? Are we done? Mm-hmm. <laughs>